What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. A Playlist Original Just watch me. The medium is the message. Proof is approved. What kind of proof? It's approved. It has no core identity. Mashed potatoes are no gravy, you know what I'm saying? Speaking uh, moistly on them. Hello and welcome to Just Watch Me. I'm Kate. And I'm Liv. And today on the show, we are talking about Canadian First Ladies. Can we even call them that? No, they're not called that. (laughs) The Spouses of the Prime Minister. There is no First Lady of Canada. It does not exist. There's actually no official title for, I was going to say, the the First Lady of Canada, <laughs> which is like the, which is the flock, which no one says, because you know how. Oh, sure. Sure. Okay. It's like In the, the States, acronym. it's FLOTUS. Um, there's no flock. There's no First Lady of Canada. It's. You know, there's no title, but it's properly called, um, they are properly called the spouse of the prime minister, um, which presumes that there have been male spouses of the prime minister. There haven't. There have been. <laughs> um, but I, I like the gender neutral term. It's very uh, progressive. I'm into it. Even interestingly, we, we have had one. Yeah, I guess the obvious question that people are going to be sitting there thinking, but wasn't Kim, you know, we did have a female prime minister, so surely we had one husband. We didn't. We we didn't have a husband. Her divorce, Kim Campbell's divorce, was finalized at the time. She was in office. She has been married three times, but none of those marriages were um, During. going when she was in office. <laughs> and if you have further questions about Kim Campbell, you can check out our episode on her because we get into it. We are Campbell heads. Um, no, but soupies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, I'm so funny. Good one. Uh, so 19 women have been the spouse of the prime minister. Should we run through the list? Not yet. Not yet, because I don't have it in front of me at this point. So let's okay. talk. <laughs> and also that would be extremely boring for me to just read 19 names. You said you wanted to do that. Over the course of the episode. Okay. No, you made it sound like you're like you're going to be, and then we have no, I Mirable can't. Rudy. I shan't be. Okay, I shan't be. I take all it all right. back if that's what you thought. During the during the course of this episode, you will learn about all of the first ladies, at the very least, their name and who they were married to. Okay, we're not going to bore you with their life stories of all of them. Let's talk a little bit about the term first lady um it's used in other republics it's not purely an american term but first lady as i think most of us know it in canada really comes from the the influence of the american media and that's caused some canadian media outlets and american media outlets who are writing about canada to stylize the spouse of the prime minister as the first lady of canada And there have been several spouses of the prime minister who've commented on this when they've been given the title. Some have rejected the title. But the main difference being that, you know, the the first lady of the United States, also called the FLOTUS, 
that's an official official role in the United States government. Now the the role is mostly ceremonial, but it's a, it's a it's a proper office. You know, the spouse of the prime minister is not an office, although the same ceremonial duties that are uh, performed by the the first lady of the United States it is largely replicated in the spouse of the prime minister. They do end up doing a lot of the same things, but more unofficially. You know, the reason for that being that. The prime minister is not Canada's head of state, unlike the president of the United States. The queen is the head of state um, and their spouse is not. So that's why the prime minister's spouse is not, you know, play as act as active of a role. Mm-hmm. But and we have a person still, for that, too. Right. Like they're not the head of state. And we have a person who represents the queen in Canada, who is the governor general. So it makes sense that the governor general and his wife or her husband fill that role in some degree as well. So we have kind of like a competing couple, if you will. Right. But, you know, a lot of Canadians aren't really up on the GG, unfortunately. You Certainly know, not. Poor people. <laughs> yeah. But but if there were to be a first, a first anything, they would probably be the governor general's family. Mm-hmm. There are also lots of Canadians on the internet who are really angry about the title when it's used, which I really love. This is a quote from someone. <laughs> this is an un-Canadian invasive species that careless editors try to apply to the wives of PMs at rare but increasing intervals. I can't credit the author because I don't remember. Well, okay, so th- this is the thing. I personally am into it. I'm into us caring about our prime minister and their spouse and giving them a little bit of a celebrity sparkle. I'm into that because I don't think we it's do that. It's fun. Yeah. I don't think we do that enough. I don't, in I'm Canada. not into it for any political reason. I'm into it because no. it's fun. Yeah. hundred percent. And I also, clear. but I also think that like when we do that, when we kind of like elevate our leaders, it does also get people engaged in politics in a way that I think does matter and is important. And like, I don't know, I think anything that raises awareness and gets people into politics is a good thing, especially in Canada where people just like tend to be politically unengaged, um, disengaged, unengaged, is that a word? Anyway, moving on. Um, but I think what's a little bit troubling to me on the flip side of the coin is that like, we really are just borrowing an Americanism, which is, like unimaginative and uncreative and a little bit unpatriotic. Like why can't we in Canada like come up with our own noun pronoun for it, own like proper name? Like why can't we like be creative and and give them their own path? Like why are we just copying somebody else's path? That because, I think is a fair point. But the reason is because as I've said, in Canada, we take things with perfectly good names and give them Canadian non-American names to make them stupider and flow not as well. <laughs> okay, fair. But like like this I can't think of any other examples, but I have raised this on the podcast before. First lady of the United States, first lady is sounds a million times better than spouse of the prime minister. Sure. Not because it's gender neutral, but because spouse of the prime minister is hard to get your mouth around. Sure. You know, like we just in Canada, we just have to like I don't know. We have to make some, we don't give good names to things. Sure. But my point That's isn't. That's hill I'll die on. Sure. But my point isn't like really purely about the name. It's more using right, the name. But that's what I wanted as, to talk about. Okay, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
But my point isn't the name. It's more like using the name as like a metaphor for the larger issue here is that like we're just trying to steal something that the Americans have and claim it as not not really our own, but like, you know, something that we do. Speaking of, you said an Americanism, this author that hates the First Lady of Canada continues, making a First Lady out of the Prime Minister's wife or a First Gentleman out of her husband would be an important psychological step in the direction of Americanism, of making the head of government socially paramount and allowing him or her to establish a royal-style artistic and intellectual court. Now, I think that I would say that's overblown. Yeah. I think that paying attention to Sophie Trudeau's outfits is fun. Hmm. And for the most part, often harmless. Yeah. Anyway. Especially that's her where outfits. I stand. Yeah, especially her. That's, that's where I that's where I land. All right. Okay. 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 Um <laughs> Understood. Understood. This was honestly not the take I was expecting from you. Really? Um, this what was the expecting? take I was expecting from me. Uh-oh. Um Yeah, no. Um yeah, I don't know. Something a little more controversial. That's like usually where you are. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about, now that we've aired our grievances and our, you know, our grievances grievances with, honestly, just the media's characterization of this, of the First Ladies, if we don't really take issue with the First Lady, to be honest, it sounds like we're into it. Um, but let's get into what their role is, because they officially don't have a role, but they do. And let's talk about it. You know, the, the spouse, the Prime Minister often will accompany the PM to events, make public appearances, is kind of the usually the host or the hostess of foreign dignitaries. And it's, you know, kind of said that the First Lady of the United States plans a lot of parties. And the same is true in Canada. Like, spouses of the Prime Minister often take that on. Also, like in the States and other countries, they tend to do a lot of charity work. That's That's often, you know, they might pick, they probably... They often pick non, not so political, um, kind of non-controversial, controversial causes that they get behind campaigns that they have and work on. Um, there are exceptions of that. There are, of course, you know, spouses of the prime minister, as there are first ladies. I'm thinking of like a Hillary Clinton who take on things that are more controversial and and do a little bit more politics. Um, but generally, the first. The first lady and the or the spouse of the prime minister uh, has a more ceremonial type role in the in the government and and an unofficial one in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I think because it's unofficial, we'll see as we discuss the various first ladies that um, I love that we're just committing to calling them first ladies now. I'm I'm completely on board with that. Just easy. Um, <laughs> um, that some of them, you know. Didn't like the spotlight as much, had their own ambition. And so there is a real variety of how involved they were in in that role, um, which I think is really interesting also. Um, But I think that maybe now is a good time to talk about kind of like the expectations. Um, And I say that in quotations because it's, they're not really real expectations. They seem to be like, the media narrative of the expectations of the first ladies and, and what we think of those and what they are. What do you think the expectations are of the first lady? In this article called uh, the first ladies club, I thought that they did a really great job of articulating 
what it what, what the expectation is and they say you have to have a killer resume be prepared to t- but be prepared to toss away your professional accomplishments in order to be the perfect hostess and take up worthy causes that'll change the world you also have to be at the same time a paragon as of perfection smart as a whip and dazzling projection of your husband's image but don't outshine him the point is it seems to be that there's an expectation that you have your own ambitions, have a killer resume, but are also um, sum- submissive to your husband's kind of ambition and careers. And you need to be like a, a partner to him. You can't really be your own person. It's, it's in my opinion, some of the more celebrated first ladies have been that kind of beautiful and silent. Curious what you think of that. Actually, maybe that's not 100% true, but like it's interesting how the media narrative changes around certain ambitions. Beautiful and silent. Well, not silent because I I guess I'm going to take it back because you also have to be incredibly smart and capable of, of holding yourself and being kind of like this perfect hostess and, and, um, capable to some degree of like keeping up society with these, you know, important people, right. That you're going to be hosting. And so it's like almost imperative that you have like this amazing resume and that you are really smart. But at the same time, there's this like paradox because then, um, you know, women who wanted to pursue their, or there's a trend of women just not pursuing their own thing and very much kind of like coming on board to their husband's campaign and yet they aren't coming on board into any official role, you know? Yeah. And it seems like an impossible job, right? You know, some of the, some of the first ladies who have really shone have been a real benefit to their husbands. I'm thinking of, um, I'm thinking of Margaret Trudeau in, 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 uh, in Trudeau's first, yeah, in in the first campaign they were together, where she was really involved on the campaign on on the trail, um, you know, people people liked her more than they liked him, which is often the case in, with first ladies, I think, here and especially in the United States, right? Like because you're not the one really making tough calls all the time, you're not getting the heat. Like it's very it's very common for the first lady to have a higher approval than the actual. Um, president or prime minister, but, you know, some of the first ladies who have really shown have like been a real benefit. Um, but at the same time, (laughs) you know, you have to imagine these are people with big egos who probably aren't going to be happy to be outshone by their wife. Although some I'm sure can swallow it to obtain that benefit. Um, yeah, you have to be extremely media savvy and bright and be good at kind of, you know, it's not as simple as standing there. Like they ask you questions. You have to be able, be able to answer and articulate the vision. And and if you can, you can be a real asset, you know, you can really balance them out. You know, there's also, which is kind of tough, right? Because there's a lot of gender politics wrapped up in um, the way that political wives, especially are used to soften the men that they're with, right? The idea that, um, having Margaret and I think Justin on on the the trail with Pierre Trudeau, 
uh, really softened him for people, seeing him as a father, seeing him as a husband, um, really endeared him to more people and was such a benefit to him. It's the way that we can only see men as empathetic when they're next to the women that bring that out in them, that women soften people up. Um, and the same was is was said about uh, Lorraine Harper as well, that, that she kind of people liked him more because of, you know, how he was with her and the way she spoke about him made people like him more. You know what I mean? Which, you know, I'm going to be honest, I think is true for a lot of couples in the regular worlds. Um, but, but I also want to be careful because it does feel very, it does feel like stereotyping that we are able to, to soften these, these tough political men by their wives when, you know, who knows how, how many of these women are like, I don't know. I, I want to believe that there's lots of political wives who are behind the, behind the scenes, like coaching these guys how to go in for the kill when their instinct maybe is to like totally. soften up. Well, we do. And I, spoiler and we don't alert. see that, right? Yeah, we do. Spoiler alert have one, I think, who one of our first ladies who is that. Um, but we'll get to her. And you'll have to keep listening to find out who it is. Um, but I think it's I think it's interesting because I mean, obviously this is a, this is a podcast that celebrates women and is, you know, endeavoring to get into the first ladies and celebrate them as their own people, not just the accomplishments of their husband. And so obviously like we're striving to, (laughs) to do that. But I think like the way that we're talking about them and so much of the media around them is problematic for so many reasons. And I think, uh, you know, as we, cover the first ladies over the years, we'll be able to like point on some of these issues. But I think, you know, at the heart of it, um, Heather Robertson wrote a book called More Than a Rose. And I think that um, in in her book, she confronts this ancient resonance archetype of the wife and um, that the premise that first ladies have to be this quintessential wife and that their attitudes and, um, are kind of responsible for mirroring the values of contemporary society in whatever, you know, decade that they're in power, quote unquote. So I think it's just kind of like always kind of important to, I don't know, juxtapose that with the conversation that we're having. Cause obviously that's not what we're in the business of doing. And we're not trying to like, you know, be, you know, negative towards them. We're only being positive towards them for the most part. But I just think it's like, I don't know, an important thing to like think about and consider. I think that's what I was trying to say. And and you kind of helped me find that is that, you know, these wives are often like in the way that women are expected to maintain society's morality. Um, these wives can kind of do so for their husbands, right? Like they're they're the empathetic voice and the moral compass. And, and they're seen as that for for their husbands. Um, and that's what we expect them to be like. Um, and you know, I think that there's a little bit and not to give, you know, I know we're trying to keep this Canadian, but you know, there's the amount of suspicion there was and around, you know, Hillary Clinton ha- like wanting to do health policy herself. Like people hated that, you know, the idea that she could have her own ambition really, really bothered people. Um, and of course, there's there's lots to be said about that, right? It's an it's an unelected office that you happen to have because you're married to the person who holds the keys to the castle. Um, but that said, I do think it says a lot more about us when we're so suspicious of people who, you know, I don't know, 
like, I'm sorry, like the, the first lady of the United States and the spouse of the prime minister of Canada have real roles in influencing politics and Canadian culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and should which be is why they as, that should be credited yeah, and also and scrutinized and also yeah. criticized and, um, you know, when appropriate. No, I agree. I think that, um, yeah, maybe that's, I feel like at the end of this podcast, we're probably going to be more on team. Let's make this official than not. What do you think? I think so. Hmm. Okay. Well, if, I mean, if the expectation is there that they do all this stuff and it is. Yeah. Right. From, from Canadians, from the media, I think from the government. Um, and we'll talk about this in the context of Sophie Trudeau specifically, but if that expectation is there, should we not give these people the resources for it? And I, I just think we should. Hi friends, I'm Olivia. And I'm Katie. We are Podcast by Proxy, a Canadian true crime podcast. Our primary focus is Canadian cases, but sometimes we travel south of the border and love listener suggestions. Join us every Tuesday where we talk about some of the not-so-polite Canadians. You can find us at Podcast by Proxy wherever you listen to your podcasts and on all social media platforms. So his employer eventually finds out about his criminal past, though, and releases him from employment. He gets a job selling hot dogs on Main Street for a while before he lands a permanent job as a salad maker for G&G Foods, and he worked, like, late overnights at this job. So this guy literally tossed salads for a living? Correct. Okay. A murderous <laughs> salad tosser. <laughs> oh, lordy. Totally. Totally. So, um, maybe now that we've been teasing some of the more fun stories, we should just get into it. So let's talk about... Um, who these who these ladies are. So our very first first lady is Agnes MacDonald, who was the first Baroness MacDonald of Earl's Cliff, Cliff, Earl's Cliff. <laughs> and of she was, of course, um, the wife of John A. MacDonald, our first prime minister. Next is Jane McKenzie, the wife of Prime Minister Alexander McKenzie. Third, we have Mary Abbott who is obviously the wife of John Abbott. And I do have a fun fact about her. She and her husband, John, are maternal great-grandparents of the actor Christopher Plummer. Thank you for that fact. Isn't that cool? That is very cool. Next, we have Annie Thompson, wife of Prime Minister John Thompson. Um, And I thought it was interesting that she was described um, by historians as a high-spirited young woman who resembled um, Catherine Linden from Emily Bronte's Withering Heights. Like, what an unusual... I think that's a compliment. Do you think so? I wasn't sure. I thought that was kind of an unusual characterization of someone. Very specific. Very specific. Next, we have Frances Tupper, wife of Prime Minister Charles Tupper. They had six kids together. That's That's a lot lot of kids. (laughs) Okay. Next, we have Zoe Laurier, who's the wife of... I love that she was called called Zoe, which I think of as being a a young person's name. Okay, I'm so glad that you brought this up because I thought the exact same thing. And she she was... She was born in 1841. So it's obviously been around longer than we think it has. 
I know. I don't think of it as an old name. I think of it as a young name. Yeah. I feel like it just had a really big comeback in like the 90s. Next, we have Laura Borden, who's the wife of Prime Minister Robert Borden. There was a description. Can I read you a description of her? She was described as an active-minded, amiable, and talented woman as she has contributed much to her husband's success, both politically and socially, throughout the Dominion. The Dominion. Yeah. I love the old-timey, like, description. But it's also, I thought it was also interesting because obviously, um, you know, he's, Robert Borden's the eighth prime minister. Um, I don't exactly know when he was reigning, but it was certainly, you know, at the term. Reigning. Reigning. You know, what do what you say? In power. Um, it was, you know, around the turn of the century. And it's funny how the narrative of, like, what a successful first lady is like very consistent with what our expectation is today, you know, like so little has changed and it's been like a hundred years. Next we have Isabella Meehan, who is the wife of prime minister, Arthur Meehan. Anything interesting about her? No, I feel like the only thing I really remembered about her was that she was like from Winnipeg or her, anyway, she had a connection to Winnipeg and a lot of these people had connections to Winnipeg. Especially in the early years, I was like, what's, what was happening in Winnipeg? Something was in the water. Something was in the water. I have that she lived until the age of 103. Oh, yeah. That's quite cool. That's quite cool. Hmm. Okay, next. Um, next we have none for William Lyon Mackenzie King, who never married. Okay, that's a little it's, jarring. I always think, I know it's so judgmental, but I always find it a little you, strange when I, they don't get I married. I know what you're going to say. You once said to me, people who never couple up just get weird. Did I say that? <laughs> yes. I stand you by it. You said something like, I just think that peop- it's really good for people to couple up as they get older. I really, <laughs> well, but you were talking about somebody who was in their, in their late thirties and never been coupled up who you thought was getting weird. People need support as they age. Aging is a difficult process, you know? Well, I just think in jobs like this, to not have, like, a live-in... I mean, not a lot of marriages are not like this. I mean, most marriages aren't like this. But, like, to have a job that's stressful and not have, like, your live-in BFF, Mm -hmm. like, that sounds hard. Or, like, like to do all these... I don't know. Like, I think that probably... I have no idea. But I just feel like probably... It's probably a lot of pressure. Very isolating at times. And you need someone that you trust that you can turn to, you know, for that emotional support. Most likely. And I guess I guess you can get it elsewhere. And again, it's you know, it's same, not the though. job of women to care for broken men. Well, not even broken An, ep- an epitaph, men. if I've ever heard one. Okay, it doesn't even need to be broken men, though. You can just be, like, a little stressed and need some support, you know? Right, but don't you think that anybody who has the ego to become prime minister is a little bit... Broken? Broken. Sure. I don't think that's controversial. Oh, well, I, anyway. that's what I always say after I say something controversial. The next one is uh, Jeanne. I think Saint Laurent. Saint Laurent. Saint Laurent. Um, who's the wife of Louis Saint Laurent? I don't know. I thought it was funner to say it like that. Oh man, it is Louis Saint Laurent is one of my favorite Canadian names to say. I gotta Louis say. Saint Laurent. It was better than Louis Saint Laurent. It it's kind of like it comes a long, one long word. Yeah, yeah, totally. 
He's the type of person, sorry, before we move on, he's the type of person that you could never just be like, hey, Louis. You'd be like, hey, Louis Saint Laurent. Yeah. You know, like you have those people he's where you f- can all like, it's a full namer. He's a firsty lasty, yes, as we call him. Yes, that's what the word I was like. Oh, thank you. A full namer. A full namer. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we have Ms. Olive Diefenbaker, of course, uh, the second wife of Prime Minister John Diefenbaker, 13th Prime Minister of Canada. They were, I believe they were both from Saskatchewan. It was, this was also her second marriage. She was previously married to a Toronto solicitor. She was known to support the suffrage movement. And she was one of, you know, one of our more political early first ladies. And again, another theme is that she was considered by all accounts to be a real asset to her husband's campaign team, um, something that, that my Mr. Stephen Baker also purported to believe and stated that she was an asset because of her ability to um, kind of schmooze voters. And, and she had a, supposedly had a really great memory and she could remember a lot of people, which I think is honestly one of the keys to, to being a politician is like, Remembering people. <laughs> Certainly. Um, Everyone knows that would, scene from The Devil Wears Prada where Anne Hathaway is trailing um, Meryl Streep and like naming all the party guests. That's how I imagine that every, like, that's what aides are, right? That's how I imagine like every political leader like functions. That's like if anyone's watched Veep, that's what Gary, her bagman, does. He's always whispering, <laughs> whispering in her ear. Sometimes things that aren't helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Usually not helpful. Um, That's funny. Like, he has two daughters, one named Emily, one named Sarah. Emily's at Georgetown, Sarah's at Princeton. Like, he does that. Yeah, yeah. Which, like, I I wonder if there are people on campaign teams who actually, and who work for politicians who actually do that. No, that's, like, for sure a thing. Like, for sure it's a thing. My my dad and my mom were actually aides for the the governor general in Manitoba once at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait Sorry. Back. Pardon? Do you, sorry, do you mean the lieutenant governor? Yes. Sorry, that's what I mean. Um, yes. What do you mean they were aides? They were aides. So they would go to... When? This was like... Um, I was quite young. Like, maybe I was like 10. It's like it's like an honorary post, right? So you don't do it for very long. Oh. And it's usually but, military who do it. That's why. And so it's like on the weekends cool. and in evenings... Um, you you go to like events with them and you take their coats, you open their door, and I think you kind of help them like also feel like less alone. You know what I mean? Like it seems I think like it's that like like squad mentality where it's like those who travel in numbers, like you feel a little more comfortable. And I remember that my mom and my dad would like get binders and they'd have to like sit and like memorize things and like prep for these events. That's cool. Yeah. I can't believe you've never told me that before. Yeah, well, it's like it That's was a such story. a like small part of like my life, you know. Like it, it was like only brief. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But 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 back to Olive, she would give her uh, her husband notes on his speeches, which I love. Um, <laughs> and funny. though like certainly involved in the politics, she was known for being, of course, the good wife, the gracious host, um, and a very very humble uh, wife to her husband. Next, we have Miss Marion Pearson, wife of 
Prime Minister Lester Pearson. She's a Winnipegger. See what I, what I said? Lots of Winnipeggers. What's that they about? They met at U of T where he was teaching. She was a student. But I she think somebody, we should make it clear. I don't think that he was her teacher. It wasn't a hot for no. teacher thing. I don't it, know that. Was that. It. I'm, I'm almost positive because I found it quite weird. And then upon further digging, I think that she, like they they didn't do the same things. Do you know what I mean? Like, for the record, I can't say that she wasn't hot for teacher and that he was the teacher. I believe you, but I just want to say that I don't know that that's true. Mar- sorry, Marion Pearson was known for um, her sharp tongue. She was supposedly very, very witty, outspoken. She was certainly not the demure type of spouse, the prime minister that we think she seems to have been someone who really spoke her mind. Um, I have a list of... <laughs> oh my God, these quotes are so dumb. I think they're funny. But one of them I like. What do you like? Okay, I'll tell you which one I like. I like the one where she says, behind every successful man, there stands a surprised woman. You don't think that she's funny? Sure, she she's asked funny. her opinion about... Uh, Lester Pearson's speech and she said to him you missed several opportunities to sit down <laughs> that's pretty mean maybe most notably about her time in uh as the first lady she got rid of the curtsy explain that so I guess she just refused she refused to curtsy because Nora Michener who was a longtime friend was also governor general and she just refused to curtsy to her. And so that was that on that. Curtsy was over. Discontinued. Next, we have one of our favorites, Ms. Margaret Trudeau, um, who we have a whole episode on if you want to listen. Um, she's And we encourage probably, you to because we're probably not going to get into our favorite bits here. We'll hit some of the highlights, well, but like, just go listen to the episode. It's really, we get into it. We'll hit the highlights. She is widely considered the wild child of this wild bunch. Um, <laughs> she was certainly one of the youngest. She was, I believe she was 22 at the time she took the non-office. Can you uh, imagine? She, like, can you imagine your 22-year-old self being the wife of the prime minister? Like, I think my 22-year-old self believed she could do it, which is... Tells you everything you needed to know about how much I couldn't have done it. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, but if you asked her, she'd be like, no, like, I'm, I'm pretty smart. Um, but Margaret Trudeau, you know, kind of famous for quite an age difference. She, she was 22. He was 51. They married or, or 50. There's, there's almost 30 years between them. She was... They were married while he was in office. They were married in secret. They dated in secret for a very long time. Um, she, you know, the marriage didn't last too, too long. The couple did have three children together, most famously their son, Justin. Some people, some people also know him as Justin. And what to say about Margaret she she is another one who at for at a time was a real asset to him. She was really involved um, in his I believe it's his first campaign when they were together. Well, Trudeau mania was kind of waning, and I think that marrying Margaret and 
who was really charismatic, really loved by the media and by the public. And very um, beautiful. I know that's like not a super oh feminist God. thing to say, but like it's it's important to the it's, narrative that, you know, emerges around her, you know? It, you know, her, I think her, her beauty is pretty hard to gloss over because she, like she was certainly quite striking. Um, but if you listen to her speak now, you know, it's also, it's clearly her personality and charm, which is, which is really what, what kind of makes her special, I, I think, to this day. And yeah, she was a real asset on the campaign trail. She really, I think, endeared him to Canadians because he is, or was famously, you know, he's the law professor, constitutional law professor, very serious, cerebral, intellectual. And Margaret Trudeau was fucking fun. She was the literal opposite. Yeah. He was and, reason over passion. She was passion over reason. Yeah, there's a whole thing on a quilt in the episode. There's <laughs> all a whole you know, she quilt became, about it. <laughs> as their marriage had kind of come apart and they were kind of, you know, just delaying getting divorced, she, um, you know, she was spending time at Studio 54, hanging out with the Rolling Stones, dancing the night away. Um, we've now since learned, and she's now since spoken publicly, that she um, she's been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And, you know, some of the things that we kind of praise her for and, and being really cool and fun and those would look to be amazing nights at Studio 54 were were mania and, and maybe not not great times for her. Um, so we kind of we want to we want to celebrate her because she's awesome for a lot of reasons. But we also don't want to glorify the mania, which she's since said, you know, was not a healthy time for her. That said, um, she still continues to be in the public eye, although she's not someone who's very political. Like she tends to really avoid politics, especially now as the mother of the prime minister, but also involved in charity work to this day. Uh, famously was involved with uh, Wee Charity. A little scandal. <laughs> um, with that charity as well. Listen, a little scandal is not going to shake Margaret Trudeau. No. She is a one. She had a one-woman show off-Broadway. It was fabulous. Which is, which is awesome. Um, you can actually get an audio book of it. It's kind of like a podcast. I think it's an hour and a half. It, it's, it's really great. It's really interesting about mm-hmm. her life. It's really good. Anything else about her? Sorry, that was a bit of a monologue. That's like the two-minute version of our yeah, that was very concise. Episode on her. That was very concise. We do it in way I less concise her. terms. No, we're we're really big fans. I think what was also kind of striking to me as we kind of get into um, like the more recent of the prime minister's wives was the age differences. And like, I was so surprised. Like, we're only at like number fifteen out of nineteen, and yet. You know, she's a lot younger than some of the, um, than some of the later ones and like vice versa, like from like, I feel like really from her, it becomes like, are they still alive? Are they not? How old are they? What are they up to? Like, it, it's like, it's no, but it's like, and it's not necessarily like, a, I'm not trying to like be critical of anything other than the fact that like, you know, she, obviously she was a lot, quite a bit younger than Pierre and like, she's alive and well and like still busy and full of life like and yet you know she it's been a long time since she was the wife of the prime minister you know i just think it's like kind of interesting 
And because of how young she was, you know, there was a very long period. There was almost like, there's like 45 years between, because she's early 70s now. Like there was like, what, almost 50 years between when she was the wife of the prime minister and then when she was kind of back in the political eye as, as the mother of the prime minister. Like she, she kind of had the bit of time off. I mean, I'm sure the media pays attention to her, but, but like, she's not the kind of person where she can't like go to the grocery store, you know? No, definitely. But, yeah. Um, so like she was away from politics for such a long time, you know? Mm, totally. Well, I think it's because also- she was so young when she started as the wife, like the wife, then she's yeah, totally. I think we're going to end this here because we have lots more ladies to get through. We're going to pick it up next time with Maureen McTeer, the wife of Prime Minister Joe Clark. Next episode, we're really going to get into um, some of the more modern stuff. And there is a lot of fun and scandal. So you don't want to miss it. If you want to keep up with us in between episodes, you can follow us at Just Watch Me Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Send us your thoughts and feelings about the show at just watch me podcast at gmail.com and it really helps us if you can rate and review the show on apple podcasts thanks see you next week